Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Hello and welcome. I'm here today again with Ryan. Hi, welcome Ryan. Hi, thank you. So, there's a couple of topics that I thought we could talk about today. So it's my turn to come up with the topics. One of them is I was had a fabulous conversation with a psychologist and the podcast came out last week and the week before. It was only supposed to be one podcast, but yeah. Me and psychologists love talking to psychologists and like getting really deeply into a topic. So we just carried on talking. But one of the things that came up during that recording, and I actually deleted it because I realized I was going off track, was his thing is all about um, communication in relationships and looking at your relationships from the space of what patterns am I bringing from my past into the future so is it the way my mother was is it the way my father was what did I come from an abusive home and am I creating that in relationships and then he talks about as we went on in the conversation in the second half of the conversation he started explaining that when you come from a space of love everything changes so I said being me I took everything, and we were in the middle of the conversation, it wasn't quite as blunt as this, but I went 10 steps to one side and said, ah, so we've just had an election over here. And one thing I noticed in the election was that there was a lot of, <laughs> there was no generosity in it regarding anybody else there was no kindness it was all about putting other people down and the further right wing the party was the more they put everybody else down there was no positives in that campaign it was just negatives we haven't got this they're not doing that they've done this it was all putting down there was abs- it was not coming from a space of care and responsibility and kindness and love so I posited, during the people who are further, are the people who are further right wing, the ones who live in fear? Does right wing politics come from a space of fear? Are those politicians fear based? And you know who I'm talking about here. If you're not in Australia, you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, but just picture it. The far right wing politicians, it's all me, 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 and you're wrong and you're wrong and you need to just sort yourself out because you made a mess of things <laughs> that's fun I didn't expect this to go from psychology to politics so quickly but it's the psychology behind the politics yeah because I noticed yeah. where I was coming from when I'm in those kind of conversations that's right because we have these kind of conversations all the time mm-hmm. and my mind goes off to just in a random direction as it makes all these connections and I made the the connections if I look back over my life the times where I've been depressed or felt lonely or isolated or whatever there was a lot going on in my life were the times when I leaned personally more towards the right thing I'm confident in myself and I'm enjoying my life look at that 
we go all left-wing and community minded. Yeah. yeah. That was that was <laughs> one of the steps that I didn't that made me contemplate that uh, possibility. I think that's an, a good perspective to have, not you know necessarily the perspective itself, but the, the questioning of it. Politically speaking, and then this is in records going back to ancient Greece. This is 3,000 years old. Politicians who want to keep things the way they are will always appeal in their political base to two emotions, fear and anger. Uh, fight or flight, otherwise known as, interestingly enough, because we are, on a very basic level, animals. And when we feel those two emotions, we want to find a dark, warm, soft place and curl up there and not see the outside world. When we feel confident, you're right, is when we are at our most, I would say, human. We feel the emotions that complete us as individuals, which is that wanderlust, that confidence, that. So I think that there are, <laughs> I, had, I went to an election party on the night with a couple of friends to, to watch the results come in. And as someone who votes based on policies and not based on people, it gave me some very interesting perspectives. Uh, a lot of the perspectives were based on that there are a lot of political candidates around who are apparently involved in a lot of embezzling issues that I had no idea about. <laughs> but a friend of mine, uh, James, or him, uh, he knows quite a lot about all of this. And he was like, he's, you know, got this deal going on with this particular foreign government. This guy's got this deal going on with this large corporation. This person's got, and I was like, that's hugely problematic. That's very problematic, especially because I'm not switched off from the news and from the information coming in. Why isn't this information coming down to me? Then again, I do tend to only look at when a party says this is what they want. But you're right. I went into it looking at, at what the policies were and the policies of the parties that were more right wing and everything from pretty much most parties are right wing at the moment. But we'll go like the far end for in Australia, for the audience listening, that's um, it's one nation and the United Australia Party, I think, are the most right wing parties we have at the moment. There's others. The mainstream ones, yeah. <laughs> those, are the, those are the big, very right wing parties. There's a few other dodgy ones, but they're not really big enough to make a dent on the map. Yeah. And so one of the splashes that's come out of this election, I don't know if you personally have heard about it, is that we, as a nation, quite a lot of us got text messages from some of the parties in question. And it was hugely problematic because they were filled with, and I'm not saying this lightly, lies. So much so that the government is now saying they're going to put legislation in place to monitor and police parties who tell lies leading up to the election. One of the examples was something that a friend of mine got. She works as a nurse and she got a text message saying that the World Health Organization is like coming in and trying to take over the Australian healthcare system, which is just... Not only wrong, but a very bizarre thing to say. Oh, that's a weird one. So that's very interesting. The thoughts that I had on those things, on being the attacking versus the kind of the openness and, and stuff. Honestly, my, my view is a little bit more cynical. But it comes from my experience, not only, you know, in philosophy, but also as a performer. And I've spoken to, to, to Jamie, my brother, about this, who is very deeply involved in politics 
And he is shocked and appalled and grotesquely intrigued by my suggestion, which is that I'm quite disappointed in the politicians. I'm extremely disappointed, in fact, because, and this isn't a power that I want them to have. Don't get me wrong. I don't want them to have this power, but I am disappointed that none of them have looked into this. They're not using propaganda right. They're not. <laughs> I made a study of it for psychology and for theater. And they're using like a little bit of it. They've gotten like broad strokes, maybe. And then, yeah, propaganda means we're going to do a smear campaign against our opponent. We're going to get this fear thing going. And I'm like, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's one part of the balanced meal that is manipulating your audience into thinking what you want them to think, which is shockingly easy. If you know what you're doing, they don't know what they're doing. I can't believe that none of them, not one of them, has no, and not even the major parties, because let's be honest, the major two parties haven't done it either, which also shocks me. No, no one since the 80s has used propaganda in Australia, like effectively. So I'm like, I don't want them to be able to do that. That's a bad power for them to have. But I'm a little bit disappointed in them. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I know. So who was it? But who was it in the 80s? Paul Keating? Uh, Paul Keating was quite good at it. Um, yeah master manipulator Paul Keating he was quite good <laughs> it's arguable how much of it was propaganda and that's why it's good <laughs> that's why it's good you always want several layers of propaganda you want something on the top very obvious people say ah oh, yeah that's propaganda but on the other hand there's another layer underneath it's a little bit more subtle and then ideally you have another layer so you want Actually, several layers yeah that's the point isn't it mm. there's no subtlety to what's happened it's very superficial it's almost like doing a slapstick comedy as opposed to doing what's the word i'm looking for political commentary satire it's it's that difference isn't it? it's the most insulting because they're treating us we don't know what's going on in the way do you know what i mean yeah and the problem is that it, it's the old law of predator and prey the lazier the prey the lazier the predator generally speaking and we as a country and i think as a population in the world honestly where there's so much information coming at us all at once most of us tend to vote the way our parents voted or the way our friends vote or we're based on a single news article that we've seen we don't tend to think about that kind of thing, about what the policies are, how it's going to impact us, whether we want it to impact us, excuse me, versus impacting the less fortunate or the more fortunate. Or, For instance, I loved the Greens pamphlets this election because it had, and you read a lot of them and they had, this is what we want to do, but they very rarely have details. A lot of them said more liberty. What does that mean? I don't know. United Australian parties, all of those billboards <laughs> that you saw everywhere. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Oh. In what way? <laughs> Be more specific, please. Uh, Whereas I loved the Greens ones because they did have details. And then down the bottom, they had, how are we paying for this? We'll tax the rich. And I was, that's fun. They've told me where the money's coming from. Whether or not I agree with that is beside the point. <laughs> that was the closest we got to propaganda in this election i think because it was not only something that people would latch onto; it was mildly funny that break in tone from you know 
this is the kind of numbers we're looking at for budgeting. This is what blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, how are we going to pay for this? We're going to attach the rich, tax the rich. That'll be fun. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because propaganda and, and any good public speaker will know that you can be lazy. You can appeal to people's fear and people's anger, the two strongest emotions. Because contentment, wanderlust, those kinds of things, they're, they're less tangible and they're more individual. You can't control those emotions. You can control fear and anger. So like you can do that, but good propaganda takes those two emotions and then moves on. It builds a dream of an easier place to live, a better place to live, instead of just saying, you'll be safe when we raise the house loans or whatever. They're all promising. There's a bunch of promises. Most of them don't make sense. It's fine. Yeah, that's just election stuff. I'm a bit disappointed. I'm a bit disappointed. As someone who does read all this stuff, and it must work for the majority, mustn't care about these things. Which it, I, I think I was reading an article the other day. I was doing my research from the, for the Speak Up Podcasting Academy just to put a plug in there. But what they were saying, because I, I was looking at intros and outros, and mm. Microsoft did a survey. Well, the last one I could get hold of was 2015, the data for 2015. And about how long people will look at something on the internet before they move on. If it, this is how long you've got to get somebody's attention, then they'll move on. They also did a survey in 2010 or 2012. So back in 2012, it was you had 12 seconds or 18 seconds or something like that. By 2016-15, that had dropped to less than 10 seconds. So you've got 10 seconds to grasp everybody. And now that's only just going to carry on going downhill. That was seven years ago now. So how long do you actually, and I might have got those figures completely wrong, but it is something like that. How long do you actually have to grab somebody's attention? And that's why the likes of the United Australian Party, where all of their billboards were just three words, the same word repeated three times, freedom, freedom. Because, hello, I'm going to grab your attention and I'm going to repeat it to make sure you got the message. Yeah, that's a problem. I guess it's, you could say it's a problem, but it's not really a, a problem. People will say it's a problem because they want to go back to the old days when we used to spend more time looking at fewer things. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a problem. It's just the way things are now. We can either, you know, move with the times or we can't. Which is why I'm so disappointed that politicians still make 10-minute long speeches about the things that they want. Where are the really clever ad campaigns on Facebook or Instagram? Where are the memes? If you want to reach an audience now, where is... Yeah. One of the things that I've been irritating Jamie with recently in our current discussions <laughs> and he's horrified and fascinated by this concept is uh i said in order to get the most political power what i would do if i were in charge of the country is install a jester in parliament because people don't care what happens in parliament and politicians will do anything to get people's attention but if you've got someone whose job it is to be funny in parliament not only are they not going to be able to do anything sillier than a fool is who's been employed to do that kind of stuff but also people will have a reason to pay attention to parliament 
which is just fun. And especially if you tie the jester into like big journalism stuff like BuzzFeed. So he can be like, he can, he's got his little stick, his little jester hat head on it. And he can go around and bot people and be like, you're involved with this major corporation. You're embezzling funds from over here. Blah, blah. That would be a lot of fun. But because no one's appealing to an audience that has that attention span, that short attention, quite apart from all the other problems. Democracy Cho, my partner, is very disappointed because she grew up in like a, uh, doing the mock UN kind of political stuff because her family's always been involved in that kind of stuff. And she, uh, she was groomed thoroughly through all the, the different kind of, this is how, this is the format of how you give a speech. This is how you've got to speak when you're in parliament. This is how you've got to wait the turn. You've got to be polite. You've got to do all this kind of stuff. And no one does it in parliament. They're all rude to each other. They all speak out of turn. They all interrupt. It's terrible. Joe is disgusted by it. <laughs> She's got a lot of opinions, but it's just lazy. And it refuses to adapt to the times, I think. That was the other thing that really hit me is that more and more over the last few years, you realise just how out of touch those people, in part, those MPs and senators are. Mm. So I was reading an article the other day, really surprisingly in Brisbane, they got three Greens votes, three, three Green okay. senators got in. And there was an article, oh, MPs, there was an article on um, one of them and he's like, I've had to quit my job. I've got another three sessions to do before I can go down to Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then in lessons, I think it was 60000 a year or something, and now he's become an MP and his annual salary is 200 and odd thousand. And he's just like, this is obscene, an obscene amount of money. It's so true. it's really interesting that somebody's going to get that perspective because that was the other thing that came up in this parliament when I was looking at the surveys is compared to 10 or 15 years ago these are career politicians the proportion of mps who've come up through the party ranks so they've been some kind of civil servant beforehand before they've stood for mps whereas before you got people like the greens guy your local carpenter or your local solicitor or whoever standing as mp you don't get that as much anymore no, it, I don't think that's entirely their fault. I think we have, as a society have become more specialised. Mm -hmm. People in their lives become one thing. There's less kind of moving from career to career. We, we are required to have a lot more certification in order to do stuff now as well, which really makes that difficult. Yeah, you do get career politicians. I personally think that the amount of money they pay politicians is an incentive to be lazy. You know what I mean? I've read studies about income to happiness ratios. Uh, and apparently it, once you get to about hundred grand a year, your happiness, generally speaking, that's your peak. And after that, you, you start getting worried because your problems just get bigger. The more money they scale up with the money, apparently. But they did studies on it in America, which I found very interesting. So I find it very interesting that the pay for a politician is 200 grand. When you could just as easily provide them with a house and a car, both of which, you know, don't cost a small amount of money, um, and then give them, you know, a smaller wage and just allow them to focus on, on the job. But, you know, I think, especially because there's a lot of pensions as well. Once they've got the job, you've got a pension, 
you've got a great pay, you've got a lot of benefits, you're never going to be left out in the cold. So for a lot of them, that's the end. They've achieved their goal. They are set for life. Why bother keep keeping trying? I find that very interesting. That is really interesting. Going back to what I started with. and Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's good because it just went off in a random direction like our conversations always do. But go, I, I just want to bring up the second thing because it's mm. tied in with the first and that was the more right-wing the party, the more... More it appeals to that fight or flight response. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, I'm just trying to work out how to phrase this because, okay, let me put a context onto this. So I have my video editor, gorgeous guy, absolutely wonderful guy, is Pakistani strict Muslim, right? I get on really well with him. We have a laugh and a joke. We exchange messages all the time. If I met him in the street, would I react the same to him as I have over the internet? Absolutely not. Because it's that impression. I don't, for me personally, it's not so much about racism, as in I'm against that. I don't know how to respond to somebody and I don't know what to expect from them. So there's a fear and a holding back, but it's not out of, I don't like them. It's out of, I don't want to make a fool of myself. And I just want to be nice and I want to be liked, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'd respond in a different way to him. And how much of that, so there's kind of two sides to this here. So that comes out of fear. And then, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. It, it's something to do with that inherent racism or no discrimination. How much of that comes out of fear and how much of it comes out of ignorance? And it was an observation more than anything. I don't know what the it's, question is. No, that's, it's something that touches on, on kind of several aspects of both psychology and philosophy. The first is a question that I ask myself quite often which is it's, it's about dogs, actually. When you're walking on the street, you're having a good time, you go into the shops or whatever, and you pass a dog in the street. I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh, a dog. Hello, friend. I, I want to meet you. Come and love me. Um, and they'll be, But you've got to play it cool. You've got to play it cool. Yeah, you know, And then you're walking along and they pass you and you do get really sneaky and you hold your hand out and they sniff your hand and then you get a little boop from the nose. And you're like, yes. A lot of people are like that with dogs, I find. Probably most people. Everyone likes dogs, and dogs are always happy to see you. So my question is, if everyone was always happy to see everyone else, would we be the same with people? That's something I think about a lot. Probably too much, but it, it comes up to me a lot. The other thing is, like psychologically speaking, in order to flourish as an individual in the wilderness, and particularly as a small community, you need to have the concept of what your community is and what you're protecting it from. And this relates back to a lot of other instincts which aren't very useful now. But you need to have a very strong us versus them. And this isn't necessarily applicable to humans. Like once upon a time, you would have a small village of, of 100 and the them would be winter. <laughs> Or, or wolves or bears, other things that would come in. It wouldn't necessarily be people, but it could be people. Because if you have something and they want something and you're used to fighting, it's now the knee-jerk response, then you will fight because you're afraid that the other one fights. 
Jamie has some very interesting political opinions about how this affects much wider kind of populations in terms of war, because it's his belief that war begins because both are afraid of war, not because both want war, but because if you're going to have a war and if you become more and more afraid of it, then you become more and more keen to control the outcome of that war, which means that you have to start, it has to be on your terms, which makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know about every time, but, and I think it's the same on smaller scales. You, that fear of putting yourself out there impacts on how you affect other people, which means, means that you're more un, slightly more unfriendly to them, which means that they think that you're unfriendly. So they change how they are. And the gap widens because everyone's afraid, not of everyone else, but because of the possibility of everyone else. And I think that is something that the politicians take advantage of, is the fear, not of the unknown, but of the known. This is what happened last time. Take dogs. A dog, a, a dog bit you three years ago. This dog could also bite you. It's a possibility. It's coming closer. It's, you, you put your hand out, its muzzle is coming towards you. It would be very easy to just chomp. And if you're walking along the street, you could say, hello, how are you? And they could say, hello, how are you? Or they could say, in my culture, we say, salam. And how disrespectful of you not to, to do that, which is, which is frankly a, a ridiculous thing to say. And I'm not suggesting that anyone would say that. It's just yeah. an example. <laughs> but I get where you're coming from. It saddens me that the leaders of countries across the world don't embrace the idea of throwing off the shackles of fear and saying, this is the country we could live in, which we, we don't have to be afraid. And instead say, we are afraid, you should be afraid, and this is what we should do to fix that fear. It's not focusing on the fear itself. It's focusing on the cause of fear, but fear is always gonna be there. We're always gonna be afraid of something. We always have been. I'm afraid of the weather. It's six degrees out there. Nothing I can do about that. <laughs> I don't wanna go outside. That's fine. But they're, they're always like, you're, you're gonna pass people in the street that are going to be grumpy, basically. There are always gonna be outliers or any bell curve. And I would personally suggest adopting a way of living that is okay with not just not being afraid but occasionally getting hurt i think one of the things that that, that or one of the reasons that made me think about this was i was talking to a friend a while ago actually interviewed her for the podcast mm. and she's gay and she's in a, a same-sex marriage and everything and i made the comment that i'm not discriminated against it she said no you're not consciously but subconsciously you don't know how to respond which causes a discrimination she said so we go they've got a, a little girl they go to the school functions she said and all the mums and all the parents are sitting there in their groups that they know each other she said which group do we sit with because we're not automatically invited into a group because they don't know how to deal with us they don't know where we fit. It's that unconscious discrimination, that unconscious um, bias against people. You know, because what we see, 
let's talk about Saad again. What we see is Muslim militants. Muslim militant, you know? So that's what we see because that's what that's the fear in the back of our mind, isn't it? Yeah. I get where those fears and it's difficult not to see those things because we are exposed to so much information. Mm-hmm. And the information that we're exposed to is generally, you know, chosen because it's exciting. And and the exciting things are generally violence things, yeah. Fear-based things. Yeah. It also doesn't help that most of the largest newspapers in, in English speaking countries are owned by the one man, the one white man who has many opinions about things he should not have opinions in. But, you know, that's that's another topic. But well, he's welcome to his opinions. He should not be allowed to enforce them on everybody else, which yeah. since he owns something like 90% of the newspapers and media outlets in Australia, he's got, he's got a stranglehold on what we hear and are presented with. He's extremely problematic as a person and, and <laughs> as a representative of the human race. So when you're talking about those preconceptions, because it would be, I think, incorrect to say that it's a, a sexism or a racism thing, because you're not taking any action to actively exclude them or hate you. It's just no um, affirmative, some, no positive affirmation there. So I would I would say that it is less of a racism thing and, and more of a kind of hesitation. Mm. So what's your question about that? Where does that come into the political thing? It's just more about, okay, so how it comes into the political thing is I recognise my fear as being a, a lack of knowledge. That's what mm. I re- I don't know how I'm going to react. I don't want to cause, I don't know how to react. I don't want to cause offence. I don't want to make a fool of myself and I don't want to upset anybody. But if you don't recognise that's what's going on and that's all that's going on, a, a very human thing, then it becomes ingrained and we get the United Australia Party, Freedom Freedom thing, which is all about, oh, not even them, One Nation, which is all about let's lock every fear out of the country. That's a better example. Mm-hmm. We'll lock everything that we're afraid of out of the country so that we can absolutely guarantee with total certainty who we're going to be talking to as we're walking down the street. I figured out what it is. I figured out what it is. Okay, that viewpoint. So the two kind of the differences between the idea that we're going to keep everything the way things are. We're going to shut everything out. We're going to stay the same way, blah, 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 versus the, we want to work towards this kind of goal. We're going to open the borders. We're going to do all these kinds of stuff. You don't have to change in the conservative side. Whereas you, you do have to change Oh yeah. on the other side. And that does appeal to a very basic fear of change we are afraid of change like statistically we want to know what what tomorrow is going to bring what today is going to bring we need to know that to feel safe and i can see why because psychologically in order to not be afraid of those of of any change you need to be certain of a few basic things you need to be certain of in your basic needs basically like that the top stuff the the look like less tangible needs which is Things like exploration, creativity, that kind of stuff. We can make, those are fine. We're not really concerned about those. But the things that you need, heat, 
you need water, you need food, you need shelter. Those four basic things, and you need a future. Those five basic things you need to have in order to not revert to that fear of change as a human, as, a, as an animal. Which is why I think people are, the politicians are getting so lazy. I don't know if, if you saw, but when on election night, when we were watching all the interviews, they came up with a poll of what people were most concerned about during this election. By far the largest was climate change, which was about 32%, I believe. The next largest was affordability of living, the cost of living, which was about 27% of the population, which is honestly a little concerning for me. Is 27% of the population's biggest concern is that they're not going to be able to afford to live, I think is, is a huge problem. That's a massive issue. And it will impact on how they vote about their future. They will want things to remain steady. And, and the argument against that is obviously you don't want things to remain steady because the cost of living is, is going up and has been going up steadily for quite a while now. So obviously you do want to change so that comes down, but it does appeal to that fear. You want to be left alone because if you are left alone, you can make things better. We have that instinct. Has my uh, camera just started flipping? It stopped again. It did do that, yeah. I don't know why. No, I don't either. Have you got a fluorescent bulb? Because sometimes they kind no. of match up. No, they're the daylight. Uh, LEDs? Yeah, LEDs. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's possibly a big part of where that comes from, is that kind of the, the protective fear because people are unable to afford more and more to, to live comfortably. Just a thought. <laughs> Just putting those two dots to just connected those dots. <laughs> there was a big silence. There was no change of, of expression. And I was like, have I said that wrong? No, sorry. I was still on light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> I was still on light bulbs going, uh, yeah, no, my brain just wasn't on the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I was also, it, it kind of like, I've also not quite connected the two things together because they are somehow connected. And I can't, I haven't really grappled down that connection to its full, to the base level. I don't know. It's still, and it's, I'm fully aware that we've been talking for a long time and we are going to have to. How long are the podcast? 40 minutes, right? Yeah. With something, with a thought or something on this. Because whenever we talk about these things in depth, it's us examining our own personal thought processes and beliefs and everything else. So it's actually, it's great to hear that kind of thing because it just makes you think about yourself. I think the note that we should probably leave people on then is a similar kind of, of thing. A lot of politicians appeal to people as animals, which is why I'm so disappointed in the lack of propaganda, which should appeal to us as humans. And it's because when we're threatened, we turn into animals. It's, it's a recorded fact. I think the challenge that we leave for our audience isn't to think in one particular way or no, another. We, not it's not to vote for a particular party. It's to sit down and say, I'm a human being. I have the incredible privilege and responsibility of being aware of my place in the universe and being surrounded by other people who are also aware of their place in the universe. We have a responsibility to make the world better, not just for ourselves, but for everyone else in it. And in order to do that, 
we need to let go of personal fear and ask ourselves, if I look after the people in my life and if they look after me, what can we do as people to make the world better for everyone else going forward in a way that isn't about not moving? Because I've got to say, listeners, Historically speaking, any society that refused to change with the times died. I don't know, I can't even list them. There's too many. You have to move with the times. You have to change. And sometimes that means being afraid. But I think if you're aware of your fear, then it allows you that that freedom to, to move past it. I agree. There was something came up for me while you were talking and it's gone. Yeah. Uh, go on, it's gone. Go on. Flitted away. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it was, I made the connection between the what I started off saying and, and, and it is that it does go down to that, the more towards the right you go, and I hope that's the right on the screen, I don't know, the more towards the right you go, the more fear based it is, the more about your personal situation you individually it is and I think that's why I, I hear the more right-wing politicians and talking in Australia here and it's all me naming I think that I find jarring yes politics should be about that was how the Greek system came about this is about <laughs> looking after everybody okay you had to be male you had to be over a certain age and you had to own a certain amount of land but you couldn't be a redhead and you couldn't be a dwarf but and you had to be a citizen and you had to own land but and you had to be over 25 yes but other than that and you anyone... had to be male you had to be male <laughs> the romans took it a little bit further but it's we've been getting better it's been getting better, but it's right. supposed to be about taking care of the community. Yes, you're right. Wing politics, I think, does tend to ask us to think of ourselves as individuals. What can you do to protect yourself? As opposed to saying, how can we protect each other? Which does involve putting that fear to one side. Because if you're trusting other people to look after you, then you do need to trust them. You need to trust in, in, in complete strangers, which someone else makes the roads that we use. Someone else pays for the schools that, that are built. Someone else pays more, more taxes than, you know, us, almost certainly. Unless you're, you're probably Gina Reinhardt, who's the richest person in Australia. Everyone else pays less taxes than she does. So well, she's contributing the most, if you think about it. Maybe not morally. I have my own issues, but other than that. But that's what it's about. The conservative is about thinking about you and though the politicians I think reflect that they think about them this is what you can do for you this is what I can do for me this is how we are going to be separate whereas the more to the left that you go the more it requires you to think of us as a community which involves thinking of not just you and your family and your neighbors but also the drug addict on the street the bully in high school the, the group of thugs on their motorbikes who rear up the street at 2 a.m. They are all a part of your community and you have to love them and care about them as you do for yourself. And that's a tough one. 
Yeah, we don't want to do that. I found myself going, yeah, 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 but they're not included. They're not included. They are included. Everyone's a part of the family. But I remind myself, in order to love someone, you don't have to like them. <laughs> Where did you get that from, though? Yeah, I don't know. That one's an odd one. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you don't have to approve of someone in order to love them or care about them. Care about. It's care about them more than... But the the word love in English is not a good description because it encompasses everything. So it doesn't allow you any permutations on what you're saying. It doesn't allow a context for what you're saying. Um, Uh, Let's say have compassion. Yeah, compassion's probably better. Yeah. I would still like to stick a potato in his exhaust pipe, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, all we can do... I think is be the example we want to see and if that means caring about people regardless of how they treat you because if everyone did that the world would be better and the more people do that the easier it's going to be for more and more people to do that that's how I look at it Mm. and I'm going to close up now but next time here's the topic conversation maybe we'll see how we go I've been reading a book called Beyond Belief which is about modern Pentecostalism. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everything that we've just talked, yeah. I have a lot to say on that. Yeah. And I'm going to offend Um, a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, good. That's always fun. (laughs) So I'm going to send you that book and then we'll have a conversation about it in a few weeks. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is very because to me it builds on what we're just saying. Mm-hmm. This is one of those other left field left field connections that I make. Builds on what we're just saying about the right wing politicians or right wing people. Yeah. It gets me angry. Oh. <laughs> and I'm sure there's I know some Pentecostalists, very nice people. It's about the leadership and as everything filters down from the top. So yeah. So we better finish up there. We have gone yes. over time again. Yeah, it's good night from me. And, and it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. <laughs>for joining us this week on menopause marriage and motherhood make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player and while you're at it we'd love you to leave us a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would be amazing too be sure to tune in next week for the next episode and remember if you're busy thinking about what you can't have how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have see you next week